0: Together we will raise, lead, and empower a generation to change the world. Here, Jesus is famous, and all the glory goes to God. This is celebration. This is our family. Welcome home. Hello, everyone. Would you please stand with me as we recite together the Apostles' Creed? This is our statement of faith what we believe here at Celebration Church. It says, We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the Creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day He rose again. To everyone joining with us, our campuses in uh, Fox Valley and Point. Hello, everyone. Uh, so uh, this morning, um, if you were here last week, uh, you would have heard my dad mention that I was preaching this morning and it's because he's uh, in Hawaii this weekend, uh, doing a wedding there for a member in our church and uh, also our campus director here, uh, Becky Schomer. Her and uh, Pastor Keith, who is our children's pastor, they're also gone this morning. So it's just me. (laughs) So I'm doing everything. In fact, I'm watching the kids here in Green Bay right now. But (laughs) I raised four kids. I know how to do this. You give them an iPad, and then if they scream, then you know something's going on. Otherwise, I'm gonna do it dad-style and assume everything's fine, so... uh, of course, I'm kidding in case you have a child here and it's your first Sunday and you're panicking. <laughs> no, trust me, we're, we're okay. Uh, but it was funny, you know, uh, uh, yeah, uh, last week, you know, when my dad mentioned that I'd be preaching, a lot of silence out of all of you. <laughs> but I'm like, okay, the energy's down, it's all right. It's not what we do, you know, not a big deal. And then he announces he's leaving and you all cheered. <laughs> And I was like, I'm really confused now. I don't know. Are they gonna be more excited to see me or just that he's not here? I don't know what, but either way, in some way, shape or form, I'm sure you're glad to see me this morning. (laughs) But I am glad to be. (laughs) Oh, that's awful. Now you made me feel bad. I was not, I did not need it. I was fine. I thought it was funny. Uh, That was just more of a joke of me poking at my dad. You mentioned you were gone, they cheered like crazy. I don't know what's going on. Uh, so anyway, so this morning, uh, before we get going, this is the time in our service where we take our offering. And um, you know, you know, if you're a person that likes to write out checks or cash, obviously during this COVID time, you aren't passing out uh, the baskets or the offering plates, uh, but you can hand in checks, cash, whatever. We have little envelopes for that stuff and you can put them in little, uh, the offering baskets as you leave your campus this morning. Uh, the other thing you can do is uh, text. You can text to give, and you'll see a little number right there. And so what you do is you wanna send a text to the number. So instead of you know text send text to mom, you type in, instead of mom, you type in 77977, right? And then in the message part, instead of mom, send me money, you, <laughs> you write in <laughs> CCWI uh, space, make sure I get this right, and then the dollar amount in there, and you can send that. Um, And also, because today is Missions Sunday, you guys saw the missions update there from Pastor Keith. Uh, He clearly did not record that this week because the snow's gone, hallelujah. Uh, But what you do is you do the exact same thing, but in the text message part, you do CCWI space, then write missions so that the system knows, okay, this is designated towards missions, and then you can put your dollar amount after that. And then, of course, the other way is... um, You know you can give online Uh, if you're watching. You know this morning online you can go online and give there. Um, And we always do encourage you if this is you do consider Celebration Church your home. We do encourage you guys to sign up for recurring giving, which you can do by going online or you can call the office. And that recurring giving, I know it's you kind of think. I hear you guys, you know, pushing that and talk about it. But what difference does it make? But at the end of the day, you're right. It's give us money understand that but it does help us with you know processing time we don't have to process it but it speaks volumes when we're out there and any one of our campuses has to go and talk to a bank about refinancing building or anything like that we can show hey by the way look at how many people are so on mission with us that they've committed to giving recurring giving that speaks a big story to the church or sorry to the banks so if you are a regular giver but you haven't quite jumped on there I encourage you to consider it uh, you know we'll Take your gifts any way possible, but that does uh, really help us and help tell the story uh, here at Celebration. So, all right. I think I got everything down. There was a lot of notes because I'm doing everything. Everyone kept shooting me notes. Don't forget this. Don't forget that. Like, sure, it'll be all right. Uh, You know, at one point I was thinking I could just do the thing like the uh, substitute teacher does, right? Where you just like play some random video on something. So... (laughs) which they have prepped. If I get lost today and I move on, you're gonna see a little short clip on uh, how the Hoover Dam was made, okay? And then we'll, ju- we'll move on. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Play the video, guys. Okay. No, so this, uh, this morning, we're actually we're in uh, week four of Lent, and we're gonna be taking a look at a scripture here in Numbers, uh, Numbers 21. We're gonna be looking at verses four through nine, and just a little bit about uh, this story. This is sort of towards the tail end of the story of Moses and the wandering Israelites, um, which, if you're putting together a Christian band name, hey, that could work. <laughs> Next to the stage, Moses and the Wandering Israelites. Um, but it's kind of coming to the end of their story. And if you're not familiar with this, or you know you're new to church, like who's the Moses guy? He's the one that Charlton Heston plays <laughs> in Ten Commandments. Okay, it's going to play here soon. They play it every Passover. Uh, he, right, He's the let my people go guy. That's, so that's Moses. And God is using him to free the Israelites. Uh, if you remember, they're actually, they're enslaved. They're in captivity in Egypt and they're working for slaves for Egypt. And Pharaoh's the main guy there in Egypt. And God tells Moses, hey, I want you to go and free the Israelites. So Moses has to go there and make what I have to imagine is one of the Hardest sales jobs ever. Of going to Pharaoh, who he rules this nation. He has an army. He has this and that. And then he's got these people, these enslaved people. They do the work for him, you know, and all this stuff. And, and Moses has to come and say, hey, Pharaoh. Hey, a long time no see. Hey, um, so you know the Israelites? Any chance, like, you just let them go? <laughs> you know, I mean, what? imagine what kind of sell that is, you know. And Pharaoh's like, what, what do I get in return? Well... God will be happy with you, you know? And it didn't go very far with Pharaoh. Um, But if you're a salesman, I'm sure you can find a connection in there with Moses because that is a tough sale. Um, Which does remind me, sales is tough, right? Like you have to get over like some sense of fear of going and talking to people. And I once, I think, ran into, he's either the greatest salesman I've ever seen or the worst salesman. And uh, I was at the gym and we're in the locker room and I come walking past these two guys and they're sitting there having this discussion. You can tell they're talking business and the one guy he's just starting to get into a sales pitch. So they just finished working out or playing tennis or whatever it is and so they're going through and you know, they're changing but the guy who's making the sales pitch, he gets to the point of undress and he just stops. And he's making a sales pitch. I was amazed. The other guy continued to get dressed. But not this guy, this guy is standing there in the same thing that he came into the world in. (laughs) And he's walking in on the guy, man, i tell you something to my, my, what we can bring to your business, and he's sitting there making a sales pitch. I was like, this is either the greatest salesman or the worst salesman I've ever seen in my life, I don't really know. But clearly, I don't know if it was that thing, you know how they tell you when you're speaking to people, if you get nervous, pretend that they're all in their underwear? I don't know if like he heard that story and got confused somewhere along the way. I thought, no, I'm supposed to be in my underwear. I don't remember how it goes. But anyway, I just was like, I like wanted just to applaud the guy. Just like that was the most impressive sales pitch I've ever, the other guy I think was extremely comfortable. I don't think you read the room correctly. Uh, (laughs) Next time put on pants might help, Uh, but anyway. So Moses, I'm assuming he's clothed, going in here, and he he goes to Pharaoh, and he says, hey, listen, you need to let my people go, as the uh, movie says. And Pharaoh's not into that. And so God gets involved, because this is a God thing, and he brings these plagues, right? And it's Turns water into blood. He's bringing frogs and bugs and wild animals and pestilence and boils, which I gotta tell you, if you're making a sales pitch and at some point pestilence and boils comes upon me, I'm sold. <laughs> like, that's all oh, you ever have a boil? Those things are painful. Anyway, uh, it doesn't stop there. He's still like, no. Uh, Pharaoh's like, nope, not sold yet. Brings hail, locusts, darkness, and then the final thing. And this is what, you know, you ever heard of the Jewish holiday Passover? This, this is uh, a religious holiday. This is what it's all about. The last thing was God sends this angel of death, and he says, I'm gonna kill all your firstborn. And he tells the Israelites, you know, you gotta paint your blood on your door, and then it'll, angel of death will pass over your house, which is where you get the Passover from. And finally, after all of this stuff, and Pharaoh losing his firstborn, finally he's like, okay, I'm sold. <laughs> Tough sale, this guy. And so Moses takes the Israelites, and they head on out, and they're kind of on their journey. And now, what it was is Moses say, "Listen, God wants to free you guys. He wants to take you to this promised land, this land flowing with milk and honey. He wants to give you this and give you. That. You know, it's this thing of what God wants to do. And these people, they sort of reluctantly leave, but they leave with Moses. But they've got a bit of a, a, a problem. <laughs> they always keep getting themselves into trouble. And." Anyway, this is sort of, uh, what we're gonna read here is sort of the last little, one of the big last times because they have a pro- complaining problem. Uh, last times they complain before they head in. So we're gonna pick up here, uh, Numbers 21, uh, starting in verse four. It says, they traveled, uh, we just talking about the Israelites, Moses and the wandering Israelites. They traveled from Mount Hor along the route to the Red Sea to go around Edom. But the people grew impatient on the way. <laughs> so, you know, basically they were supposed to go one way, can't go that way. They've got to come and got to travel back around. They've been wandering for a long time. So they get a little impatient once again. And then it says that they speak against God and against Moses. And they say, why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There's no bread, there's no water. And we detest this miserable food. This food they have is like manna from heaven. God is sending them, you know, make food from heaven and they're getting this and it's just, it's this miracle because they complained once before he gave them this and now they're complaining about that food. And it says, the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people and many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, we sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prays for the people. The Lord said to Moses, Moses, make a snake and put it up on a pole, and anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake, put it on a pole, and then when anyone was bitten by the snake, they looked at the bronze snake and they lived. Now, to really understand this story, I want you to understand that these Israelites were seeing amazing miracles, but it's like they could never quite just trust God. I mean, the whole fact of how they got freed, right? They saw some miracles going on. They saw all these plagues and everything. They're freed. But they don't get very far down the road until they start their problem of complaining. I'll take you through some of these little stories. Shortly after the Israelites depart from Egypt during their exodus, uh, and I'm I'm actually gonna read some scriptures, bounce around through Exodus in case you wanna know. Um, You can read Exodus and find those. But uh, <laughs> Exodus chapter 14, I'm gonna start there first. But uh, they, So they, they leave, they're on, Moses takes them out. Before they shortly get there, all of a sudden, Pharaoh's it says his heart hardens again, and he's like, forget it, go after those people and kill them. It's like Moses, or sorry, Pharaoh's having a tough time realizing you're not going to win this sales negotiation with God. All right, he's going to win. But he sends his army. Well, the people immediately, they go and say, well, what? Because there were no graves in Egypt, you've taken us away to die in the wilderness. Why have you treated us this way, to bring us up out of Egypt? Isn't this the word, we spoke to you in uh, Egypt? And they did. They told, told him, they said, Moses, leave us alone, that we may just serve the Egyptians. Like, don't rock the boat, man. And he says, for there it was better for us to serve the Egyptians than should we die in the wilderness. These people had no vision. And they look back and, well, I was better back there. But what does God do? If you remember the story, he parts the Red Sea, right? And Moses takes the uh, Israelites across, the army pursues them, God puts the waters back, takes out the army. Pretty big miracle. At that point, you might think, you know what? I think God's on our side. But then you read the very next chapter. It says, the people complained about the bitterness of the water and say, what shall we drink? And so God said, Moses, pick up that stick, throw it in the water, boom. Makes the water sweet. Then in the next chapter, it says, the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against his brother Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said to them, oh, we wish that we'd have just died at the hand of God in the land of Egypt. When we, at least we sat by meat pots. It's like if you're gonna kill me, at least give me some meat. But when back then we ate our fill of our bread, but yet here you are, you brought us into this wilderness to kill us, this whole assembly with hunger. You just brought us out here to kill us by starvation. No faith in God. But God responds by giving them this manna from heaven to satisfy their hunger. And then, it says, the people quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. Moses said to them, why do you quarrel with me? Like as a parent, I think at some point you can start to relate with Moses, right? You ever do something, like you ever get in a trip and like, hey, we're going on a trip, guys, it's a long trip, here's what we're gonna do, but yet you get in that car, you an hour. Are we there yet? When are we gonna get there? What are we gonna eat? Where are we gonna stop and eat? What are we gonna do when we eat there? And she's like, why? Just trust me, I will feed you. Look at how long I've kept you alive i have not brought you into this car right the kids are like the wheel. why have you brought us into this car to kill us in the car like you're okay so port moses is like why are you quarreling with me why do you test god he says and the people were thirsty for water there they murmured against them and all of those things and we're gonna you know die from thirst and this and that you know god says moses smack the rock Mo- moses takes the sticks he smacks this rock water comes out of the rock And then again, they're at Tibera. I'm sure I don't pronounce that correctly, but I don't think any of you know how to either, so you'll assume I'm saying it correctly. It says, they're the Israelites. They're now tired of eating manna, this food from heaven, and they cry, who's going to give us flesh to eat? Oh, we remember the fish, which we ate in Egypt for nothing. It's like, man, at least in prison, I got three square meals. Remember the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, the garlic, man, you throw a bone in there, you got yourself a stew. And it says, but now we've lost our appetite. There's nothing at all except for this manna to look at. And it says, God, whose patience was growing thin. Which I don't think obviously is an interpretation of what they're seeing God does. They send things, sends quail, but then they eat the quail and they get in trouble for that. And then there's a story where they're ready to go into this land. And Moses sends in spies. He sends in 12 spies. Two of them come back with saying, yeah, we got this, man. God's on our side. 10 said, uh, we, we can't beat this. We're like grasshoppers in these guys' sights. And the Israelites believed the 10. They believed the unfaithful witnesses. And then, <laughs> and then again, in Dathan, or uh, not in, that's a guy's name, Dathan and uh, Abram, they complained to Moses. And they say, they're basically saying, what is it? No small thing. You, what you did, Moses, is you took us out of a land that was flowing with milk and honey and you brought us to the wilderness. We don't see any land with milk and honey. We don't see any of these promises that you said. You'll notice they're always responding back to why have you taken us here? It was better there. Why have you taken us here? It was better there. These people have a serious problem of focusing on the past. Even though God is showing up and he's doing these miracles, Right? And you can get frustrated with these people. But at the same time, I can sort of sympathize with the Israelites. I mean, I've never had an army chasing me you know, and wanting to kill me. I've never been stuck in the wilderness with nothing to eat, nothing to drink. But at some point, you would think when you see God doing things, you gotta have some faith and some trust in him. Correct? You know, there's this concept, it's called loss aversion. You ever hear that? almost kind of like risk aversion, you avoid risk. There's people with loss aversion. And and they've studied and found that uh, psychologically, the thought of loss is twice as powerful as the thought of gaining something. So in other words, if I were to tell you, I'm going to give you a million dollars versus if you had a million dollars and I said, I'm going to take a million dollars from you, the loss is twice as powerful as the gift. And you see that playing out here with these Israelites. God said, I got you. I'm going to take you somewhere. We're going to get there. But they don't like the journey. They don't like the uncomfortableness of it. And they are more concerned about what they lost than about what it is they're going to gain, even though what they're going to gain is so much greater than what they lost. I think, man, how many times in our lives are we so focused on the past and so focused on the problems at hand that we have no faith. We don't think that God can really help us. We think, well, we can never get there because look what was back here. But, but look look what happened here. And God wants to take you out of something. He wants to give you something more. Now, you ever go into a job where you take a job and just, you think like, oh, this is gonna be the best job ever. It's awesome right? Everyone's super friendly to you at first and nice. And then, and then you meet that one coworker, right? Her name's probably Mary or something like that. I don't know. (laughs) All the Marys are offended. I'm just kidding. And every time you go into the office, she's just there and she's just driving you crazy. Just driving you crazy. And there was a time where you were excited for this job, but now you think, God, why have you taken me to this job? Just to kill me here A slow painful death from having to listen to Mary (laughs) all day long was it not better for me before I had this job right you start we kind of jump into this mentality instead of thinking wait a second what if God's with you even through the Marys what if God's with you through that trouble right or take a look at your marriage right you get married on your wedding day it's great there's rainbows butterflies unicorns it's awesome And you get married, and then all of a sudden, you know, your husband's not putting his stuff away. (laughs) I'm preaching through my wife right now to you guys. (laughs) Actually, I tease her. I leave something out, and it's quickly gone. And I I thought, you know, at first I thought she just wanted a clean house, but I'm thinking maybe she's trying to make it so there's no record of me. Right, it's gonna keep me in line. Because she's like, dude, you, I could take care of you and get rid of the body. Man, there's no sign that you even existed here, right? So I just start leaving my shoes and stuff in places just because I just want, I want there to be a record. I was here. I kid, I love you, wherever you are. No, there you are. <laughs> she loves it when I talk about her. But you know, you get married and you get in the, and then you start thinking, oh, it used to be so great, and now I'm in this wilderness and things aren't the same, and that means God's not here, and ah. Stop having the mentality that where you're at is just the worst, that God can't do anything, that things were better before, it'll never be like it was. If, the, if you're like that in your job, if you're like that in your marriage, if you're like that in your faith, where if in your faith you think, oh yeah, I mean, it used to be, man, oh, I was really close to God, oh yeah, I really, oh, that church I went to 20 years ago, that was awesome, and I just haven't been able to find the same thing, and I guess I'm just spent, left here, just gonna wander the wilderness. And you don't sit and you don't put your eyes to God and trust and say, God, maybe this God wants to take you somewhere. Maybe he wants to do something awesome in your life. He wants to take you to a promised land in your marriage, see a breakthrough in your job and in your faith, with your kids, in your finances. But you need to get your eyes off of your situation, quit making up your situation of what's gonna happen. You start looking at God and you start trusting God. It's called faith. And guess what the thing is with faith? You don't always have the answers. You don't always know what it's going to look like. Faith is like getting to the edge of the stage here and kind of just getting to that point, right? Where you just get to that uneasy point. And that's where you have to trust God. See, that's what's happening in this story. Because even what we were just reading right in Numbers, where it says... Uh, these snakes came and they started biting uh, biting the Israelites and some of them were dying. What did the Israelites ask? They asked, Moses, can you ask God to take away the snakes? But did God take away the snakes? He didn't. He instead had Moses make a snake on a stick. (laughs) You can tell I grew up learning scripture from my father. And so I just know this as the snake on the stick story from him. (laughs) He makes the snake on a stick and snakes are still there. People are still getting bitten. But now you don't have to die, right? You look at the snake and you will be healed. What God is trying to show them there is you all need to trust me. Have faith that I will take care of you. And they never do. He gets so frustrated with his people, none of them, the original people who were complaining to make it into the promised land. It's their kids that make it in. And he tells them, y'all, I can't, you know, you're not making it in. Your faith was not there. And you know, in the same way that you get bitten by the snake and you get sick and you're going to die, Jesus comes in. And in John, he starts talking about how he is to be lifted up just like the snake on a stick. And he said, those who will look at me and believe in me shall not perish, but have eternal life. Because, see, we're all bitten by something as we come into this world. It's called sin. And there's nothing we can do in our own power to become right enough, to do enough good, to make everything right and to be with God in heaven when we die. But, you know, in John chapter 3, verse 16... It's the football scripture you always see in the end zone. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Because God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And see, Jesus says, it's in this chapter, He actually starts off by talking to this religious guy uh, Nicodemus and they're having this kind of debate back and forth and this is where he, he uses this story because this Jewish leader religious leader he understood this story and he said just like that snake that Moses put up in the desert the son of God is going to be lifted up he's talking about on the cross and whoever believes in him they will not perish but they'll have eternal life even now even in everything this is sort of God's whole idea his whole story his of dealing with us actually called John 3.16 it's kind of like the gospel in miniature you say what's God's end game it's to save you and what's the why because he loves you so what do we need to do we just need to believe in him so in the same way back with Moses where he had the snake bite right you had to look at the snake snake on a stick say well does that mean I won't have any problems in your life no These Israelites, they still had to deal with the snakes. They were still getting bitten. I've never been bitten by a snake, but I have to imagine, even if I don't die, I would prefer to not get bitten by a snake, right? Like I know I'm not gonna die if I get stung by a bee. Guess what I don't want to have happen? I don't wanna get stung by a bee. I mean, I don't wanna get a mosquito bite, right? I mean, how annoying is that? And here they are, they're getting these snake bites. So you're good, there's, listen, There will be things you have to go through. It doesn't mean your life is always going to be just wonderful and there's not going to be times. sometimes you have to wander through a little bit of a wilderness to get to your promised land. But just in that, make sure that your mind just doesn't get set on creating a reality that only you can envision because you're going to be like the Israelites. The Israelites couldn't envision getting into some promised land. We're nothing. We're no ones. How can we get that? All they can envision is their life of slavery. And they were happy and content just to sit there. They weren't willing to go through some of the tough things and trust in God to get something greater. And as a result, they never got it. They never made it to the promised land. And so I don't want to see that in your lives. I know God is wanting to do something amazing in your life today. Everyone's here, everyone has something while dealing with certain things. And I'm telling you, God wants to do something in your life. But you have to have faith to trust in him. Stop limiting God by thinking and creating the reality just the way that you see it. And to say, say, God, I don't even know how you do it, but I'm gonna trust in you. I'm gonna have faith in you. And maybe this morning, as we get ready to head into our time of communion, this is a good time in our service to sit and just check and to see how am I with God? Because you know, Paul he wrote these words. He says, everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. And so now might just be a good time for you to think, God, how have I been? Have I been focusing in on you? Have I been putting my faith in you or have I been getting stuck in my own brain and just seeing a reality that I can create? And maybe even you're here this morning and you think, you know what? I've never really made a commitment to follow Jesus Christ. And you're here this morning and you just kind of feel a little bit of this, of this tug of like, I, I want that, I want that salvation. And we'll give you a moment this morning, you know, just to take some time, but just as we get ready and as we begin to pre- prepare for this, just begin to think about this and as, as it says, sort of examine yourself.